Thank you for tuning into Making It in the South Sound, the Chamber's podcast series, bringing you stories and information about and for the South Sound business community. This podcast series is made possible through the generous support of Amazon. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Andrea Ray, President and CEO of the Tacoma Pierce County Chamber. As many of you probably already know, the 2023 state legislative session adjourned last week, and what a session it has been. Advocacy is one of the three main pillars of our work here at the Chamber because we know that sound policies and regulations are critical for businesses of all shapes and sizes to thrive. Our goal is to give our entire business community a seat at the table through our advocacy work. And today, sitting at our table is Michael Transu, our state lobbyist on behalf of the Chamber. Michael works tirelessly to advocate for the pressing needs of our business community here in the South Sound and beyond. Michael just recently got back from Olympia after a busy and productive 2023 legislative session. Now that the session has officially adjourned, he's here today to share some of the biggest updates, triumphs, and challenges still ahead at the state level. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here today. Thank you, Andrea. No worries. Appreciate it. Uh, So, Michael, you work as a state lobbyist on behalf of our chamber. Can you give a brief overview of what that role looks like for anyone who might be unfamiliar with what a lobbyist does? Um, My goodness. So um, this was the first session that the legislature has been back in person since COVID-19. For a person like me um, who's unfamiliar to that role, Um, I spend a lot of time educating and communicating with members of the legislature. Um, I spend a lot of time up on the hill walking around, putting in about 8,000, 9,000 steps a day. Um, And uh, being in person for the first time in a few years was uh, a lot more better and makes things work a lot more easily in the legislature, in my opinion. Perfect. Plus, you got those steps in. Plus, I got the steps in. Do you think that people are more effective uh, when they're in person? Does that personal relationship matter? I do. I think the personal relationship matters. I think, um, you know, talking to somebody over a Zoom or on the phone is not as good or as essential as being there in person. Um, You can also get, you know, a lot more things done in a shorter period of time when you're down there in person. And knowing those folks and having those relationships is just a lot easier to work through when you're in person rather than being uh, remote. And is it called a lobbyist because you're in the lobby talking to people? And maybe it was hard to have some of those conversations, you know, in the Zoom waiting room, right? I'd have to look up the, uh, <laughs> the Latin the version of, of <laughs> lobbyist or lobbying. Um, but yeah, you do spend a lot of time uh, talking to folks in the hallways. Um, you do spend a lot of time walking folks to and from either meetings or committee hearings to the floor and that sort of thing. Um, you know, members spend a lot of time in committees during the day. So if you're on three committees, that means you're in hearings for six hours in a day. So there really isn't a lot of spare time, either office time um, or just, you know, time to meet somebody um, elsewhere. You spend a lot of time walking folks around and having, you know, conversations outside of committee hearings when there's a lull, you know, something that's going on and you can have somebody come out and talk to them for just three or four minutes just to voice your opinion on a particular issue or educate them on a particular issue. Right. No, that's really important. 
So before session even began, our chamber put together a legislative agenda based specifically on the needs of our business community here in Pierce County. We got that information from a survey that we do annually, again, asking our business community, what are those top issues that we can focus on each uh, cycle? Uh, For anyone who maybe hasn't checked it out or isn't as familiar with what our advocacy priorities are, can you walk us through some of those this legislative session? Absolutely, I can. So... Um, I think the top priority for the chamber was uh, to protect previously adopted transportation packages. Um, And for those of you who don't know, the Connecting Washington package was one of a a large major milestone for the chamber's advocacy program back in 2015. Um, And that package was supplemented two years ago in the Move Ahead Washington package. And those two packages, when put together, funded the Gateway Project which has two pieces to it, uh, the 509 piece up north, and then the piece that's really important for our businesses and our economic development here in Pierce County, which was the 167 piece, which connected the old Puyallup River Bridge with the Port of Tacoma and a brand new freeway going along there. Um, Our urban uh, data center tax preference legislation that was done a few years back, Mm -hmm. it's important for us to protect. Wanted to make certain that the legislature knew we didn't... uh, um, support any restrictive scheduling uh, bills that have been proposed in the past. That's something that we have been uh, opposed to historically and something that we think businesses ought to be able to do themselves. Definitely supporting regulatory and tax code updates for housing construction. And then a very broad category of improving public safety, and that has a lot of tenets to it. Um, but certainly having public safety on the mind of businesses uh, was also something that was a priority for us. Yeah, absolutely. And so getting into a little bit more of the the nitty gritty on some of those, you know, policy priorities that we just mentioned, there were, you know, several bills that passed and, you know, some that didn't this legislative session. Um, I think I'd like to talk, you know, first about some of the victories that that we had. Sure. So uh, first and foremost, as I mentioned about our top priority, um, the governor's transportation budget uh, when introduced in December was not. Uh, very conducive of supporting the Move Ahead Washington and the Connecting Washington packages and pushed a lot of those projects far out into the future, um, which um, was against what the Connecting Washington package and Move Ahead Washington packages had. Right. So we were successful um, in advocating for the maintenance or maintaining, if you will, mm-hmm. of that original package and those spending patterns that were proposed. So we were able to pull those dollars out of future years and bring them back um, into the overall funding and um, basically secured about $875 million for the project for the 2023 biennium, another $866 million in the 25-27 biennium, and then the final about $250 million in the 2027-2029 biennium. So the Gateway Project has pulled back um, to more closer to its original timeline. Uh, funding mm-hmm. timeline and construction timeline. Right. So uh, for us in uh, the general Puget, central Puget Sound region, we're very happy that uh, both the House and the Senate came to an agreement on moving that, moving that project back to a place um, like it originally stood. Perfect. On the housing side... Um, a lot of different things done with regard to housing, middle so housing. So much housing done this legislative session. Yeah, and homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, so bills like 1110, which uh, is fostering middle housing um, in almost all jurisdictions. 
Uh, some of the smaller jurisdictions that are less than 25,000 um, in population were allowed a little bit more flexibility sure. in terms of uh, assess- things like accessory dwelling mm-hmm. unit um, siting. Um, we did not see on the housing side a REIT tax increase. Right, right. So that was something that was very important to mm-hmm. a lot of folks. Uh, thought very important. Very important. And I think a lot of folks, that was kind of t- counterintuitive um, while you're trying to, you know, make better and make easier folks getting into homes at the same time. Making increasing it more the cost, expensive, right. Right. Um, so for sure that. Um, and there is, um, and happy to answer any questions um, offline for anybody on the numerous housing bills uh, mm-hmm. that were put forward out there. The House Bill 1110, the middle housing bill was probably the largest of those, mm-hmm. but there was one bill related to condominiums uh, that right. was also important uh, that made condominium uh, purchasing easier um, and made better the lawsuits that are cir- that circle around uh, community housing like that. Um, we had some tweaks around the multifamily tax exemption mm-hmm. credit that the city of Tacoma uses very well to bring multifamily housing uh, to the city of Tacoma. So a lot of good stuff, you know, on housing. Um, on the manufacturing side, we saw the legislature do um, at least one bill where they're going to focus efforts in the Department of Commerce on some manufacturing items in the Central Puget Sound region. So right. that was a positive and something that um, I hope that our Manufacturing Industrial Council uh, weighs in on as the syndrome work goes. And then on the taxes piece, um, no new taxes. Um, That was something that uh, we advocated for or against, depending on how you phrase it. (laughs) Um, But the legislature adopted a $69 billion operating budget without resorting to new taxes. And as I mentioned, the real estate excise tax increase mm-hmm. was something that was on the table in the last couple of weeks of session. And most folks have probably heard about the property tax increase right. that was proposed the last week of session right. um, on the, the Senate side. The 11th hour. Close to the 11th mm-hmm. hour. I think some might say the 10 and a half right. hour, yeah, but close. Um, but having a, a $69 billion budget like that move forward without any new taxes is something I think both Democrats and Republicans alike can speak highly of. Mm-hmm. It was something that um, I think most of us on the business side felt that either or one of those could move forward. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, the legislature just didn't have the, I think, a little bit of the policy wherewithal, but I think also a little bit of the political wherewithal not to put those things forward. Um, I do think that the 3% increase bill that Senator Peterson put forward last week mm-hmm. um, is something that is going to come back. Sure. Um, I think that's something, I think, Andrea, as you know, local mm-hmm. governments have been clamoring isn't the right word for, but just well, been... Struggling, right? I mean, there's only so many levers that local governments can, can pull, you know, when it comes to revenue. Um, and it is a challenge. It is a challenge, and 1% uh, for folks who are in business know that that just doesn't carry the day. Year after year after year, when inflation runs 2 to 4 to 5%, uh, it's just hard to catch up. Right, absolutely. So it's always great to come out of legislative session knowing that we've accomplished a significant amount for our business community. Uh, but of course, uh, there's always more work to be done. I guess that's job security for you and me, Michael, right? right. Uh, so such is the case with, with new laws uh, surrounding specifically the Blake decision. Uh, can you share just really briefly you know, what's, what's happening with Blake and the Blake fix? So... Um 
Uh, the Blake fix, my goodness. Um, so the Senate passed um, a piece of legislation on a vote of 28 to 21 uh, about three weeks before the end of session um, that had several off-ramps um, for treatment. And if uh, treatment wasn't had, there were mandatory minimum sentences for um, folks who didn't complete their treatment. Um, that bill was passed over to the House. Um, and that bill was changed as it came out of the Community mm-hmm. Safety Committee. That bill changed after it came down to the Appropriations Committee. And then the final bill that passed off the Senate, the House floor, yet amended it a third time. Sure. Um, the Senate refused to concur in the House amendments to the Blake fix. Um, so what that necessitated is the creation of what's called a conference committee. Mm-hmm. And conference committees are something that uh, the House and the Senate put together in instances where they don't agree on a particular policy. Um, The members of conference committees are two persons each from the majority party in the House and the Senate, and then one person each from the minority party. So the conference committee is made up of six folks, four Democrats and two Republicans. Um, At the end of the day, the conference committee report that was voted out was signed only by um, the four Democrats, and the two Republicans chose not to sign and recommend the conference committee report to both the House and the Senate. When a conference committee report is submitted, um, it is submitted as an up or a down vote by both bodies. There are no more amendments that are accepted. There are uh, no more negotiations right. that handed in the conference committee. And um, in something that is a rare occurrence in my experience in Olympia, um, the House didn't have the votes to pass mm-hmm. out the conference committee report. So that vote failed uh, 43 to 55, with all of the House Republicans voting no, and 14 of what I would characterize as the more progressive Democrats also voting no. So you had the majority Republicans and a group of progressive Democrats voting no for very different reasons, mm-hmm. but still voting no. Right. And once the conference committee report fails by one body or the other, the conference committee report literally is done mm-hmm. for, for the session. Nothing else can happen to it with a very minor procedural exception that I won't talk about, um, but that didn't happen. So, And the conference committee report uh, came up at 7.30 p.m. last sun, two Sundays ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it had to, quote, sit on the bar for 24 hours before it can be acted upon, mm-hmm. which is a requirement of the joint rules of the House and the Senate. Um, so once we, we ran out of time, we ran out of time mm-hmm. and there just wasn't, um, you know, the wherewithal to do it. Folks were tired. Mm-hmm. Um, I point anybody who listens to this to the floor debate, um, on Sunday, two Sundays ago, which would have been the 23rd of April, um, and listen to the, um, floor debate on the Blake decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, very informative, um, really will give you a sense of where, um, the parties sit in terms of their positions on that policy. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we are uh, eight days right. after the close of session. Um, the conferees um, on the conference committee um, members have been talking to come to a, an agreement on a piece of legislation. Um, those talks continue in earnest, mm-hmm. mostly this week. Right. There was a little bit of discussions last week, but a lot of folks were trying they took to... took a break. A little bit of a break. Um, I know the governor's office has talked to the four corners and has encouraged those Mm -hmm. discussions. And um, there are two uh, thoughts on a possible special session. The one thought is is to wait until the parties come to an agreement 
call the legislature back and basically get your work done in one day. Mm-hmm. You know, convene early in the morning, do your caucusing, come back, take a vote, and then leave. Right, special special session that lasts a day. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, that's easy on the pocketbook. You don't sure. have to have everybody there forever. The other school of thought is is to call them in directly after session was over, uh, make certain that they keep the, the pressure is on to get something done. Um, but that wasn't what the governor chose to do. So mm-hmm. I think uh, myself and I think the public generally and the chamber specifically is hopeful that you know the House and the Senate, Democrats and Republicans, will come to an agreement and uh, we'll have one day quick special session to adopt a blank fix. Um, that'll go into effect um, here at the end of June. If the legislature does nothing um, to fix the Blake decision, uh, the state will have no possession rules at a statewide level. Starting July 1st. Starting July 1st, and then each local government will be put into a position to create their own rules surrounding Blake. Um, Which creates chaos. Which creates chaos. And is why the chamber is very focused on encouraging that special session to happen and for a state fix. I I appreciate that. So I think uh, one key takeaway here is that our advocacy work does not end when session does. Uh, And we are standing up for our businesses on important policy issues at a national, state, county, and city level 365 days a year. Our delegation just recently returned from our annual Washington DC trip, our Wadawa trip, uh, representing and speaking up for the South Sound at the nation's capital. Michael, what are some other ways people can get involved with our advocacy work? Well, I think first and foremost is uh, the chamber has a very active governmental affairs committee um, during session. It's a committee that meets um, often and always to get not only updates from me from the legislative session, but also to give me direction on particular policy issues where I may not be certain of the chamber's perspective or there's some nuancing um, that goes on amongst uh, particular issues. So mm-hmm. I rely on those GAC committee members, or we rely on those right, GAC 100%. committee members to you know, help us point ourselves in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So that's during session. And then off session, you know, once we get out of this 2023, it's time to start looking forward to 2024. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be around, you know, it's just around the corner. And before you know it, we're going right. to be there. Preparing for that 3% to come back, right? So like you said, we know that, you know, laws that are proposed, uh, which may not, you know, get done one session, often come back, right? So we do have a little bit of a, you know, crystal ball to look at and Mm -hmm. some things that we can anticipate for next session. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll probably start that work here in the next month or so. Mm -hmm. So folks who want to be a part of the Governmental Affairs Committee can, you know, reach out to you or David and, you know, or me and, you know, let's just get you on the list and uh, get you participating in the way we, the chamber, formulate our advocacy positions for Olympia. Absolutely. Uh, So anyone who's interested in participating in the GAC or would like more information on, you know, what and how our legislative priorities are formed uh, can review it all um, on our website, www.tacomachamber.org. Thanks again, Michael, for being here with us today. Your work is so important to our vision of making the South Sound the most equitable, inclusive, and thriving place to do business in Washington State. Thank you for inviting me, Andrea. And that does it for this episode of Making It in the South Sound. Thank you, our listeners, for joining us. 
Episodes can be found on the Chamber's website, www.tacomachamber.org. Look for the link on the homepage and in the top menu. You can listen to Making It in the South Sound directly on our website and wherever great podcasts are found. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We want to again thank Amazon. Their generous commitment makes this entire series possible. Thank you and listen for future episodes coming soon.